I thought we'd have time to catch our breath between two trials. Jackpot appears to think differently. Spirits are still high, and the ceremony has already resumed. I'm on the tenterhooks. Shackney is still pissed off. Slick has shut himself off, worryingly silent. Rex's seems exhausted. Only Amanaka is bearing up. My great-grandfather tells us to follow him and the king to the edge of the sunken cave for the trial of the elements. We take a small staircase on the other side of the mountain that I didn't know existed. It runs along the wall and then forks in the rock in the heart of the mountain. We're on the other side of the skylight where the giant has already disappeared. Slick bows his head and grits his teeth. He strides before me and tries to catch the prince's eye, but he ignores him in a calculated way. After a few minutes descending in the humidity and darkness, we reach the central cavity of the sunken cave, the astral enclosure. All around us, phosphorescent crystals stud the ground randomly, like weeds. They seem to be infused with a light similar to the one we collected from the giant. Five stools await us in the center. The ceiling is so high I can't even see it. The crag are quietly moving to the great hall where the ritual of the elements will take place. Their din soon echoes through it, mingling with the clamor of the shamans reciting divine incantations and the waves crashing against the cave. This trial combines mastery of fire, earth, and wind and involves blowing a glass planet as a team. In theory, no problem. The glass planets blown by previous generations are sorted behind the stools in a cluster of crystalline bubbles. Among them, one planet dominates all the others. It's an absolute colossus from the generation of King Akuyandi. Amanaka cracks his fingers mechanically as he looks at it. Take your seats, young maelstroms, says Jakba. It's been ten minutes since the tattoo ceremony began. The crag are unusually silent. Our tattoo artists scrape our skin with a coral brush, tearing off thin shreds of flesh in the process. We sit silently as they finish collecting the last of the stardust on our bodies. Rexes and Amanaka need two tattooists because of the amount of stardust on them. The mixture is a slurry of blood and phosphorus particles, which they carefully place in an earthenware bowl at the foot of each member of the team. After being bled, they then dip their stinger and start to prick a void moon under the skin. A new moon. The symbol represents our birth into the world of warriors and the first of the 12 moons that make up our calendar, our first feat of arms as a crag fighter. When we finish the fourth and last trial, we'll get a crescent, the second of the 12, the other moons will be one in a few years, and it's worth remembering that the only crack to possess all twelve is our king, the Colossus, Akuyandi. My uncle has eight of them. The elite fighters have ten, but let's not think about that just yet. Rexes and I are lucky enough to have a shell on which to place the tattoo. Like Slick, Amanaka, and Shakni seem to be struggling. The drums continue to thunder to the rhythm of the strokes of the tattoo artists. Each prick causes a grimace on the faces of my three companions, sometimes a sigh or barely concealed a grumble. Blood drips in a thin, ruddy trail that reflects the light of the torches. When everyone's new moon is glistening and dripping, 
The seven tattooists bring back the bellows to cauterize and seal the image. When the sticky, white-hot glass nears my shell, a shiver runs down my neck. The glowing paste sticks to my tattoo, and I feel a wave of heat down my back. Despite the smell of burnt turtle, I thank the stars for my hard shell. Shackney grits her teeth. I guess Rex's is feeling awkward because he's also protected. Slick doesn't flinch, as I would have expected. Not even an insult. Nothing. Amanaka seems to welcome pain as a blessing. When the torture is over, the crags stand up and applaud with all their might. Some are applauding Rex's performance, others the prince. The ball is ready. A full glass ball the size of a skipjack. It's orange and takes on the color of an egg yolk with each great blow given by the shamans and gradually becomes as bright as the sun. We are invited to take our seats in front of the long tubes provided for the event. We'll need to use the power of our breath to expand the ball from within and stretch its walls. We'll have to inflate it like a sunfish without bursting it. The trial begins. We blow in unison with all our might. The vapors irritate our throat, but the soft glass blocks seem to have moved. Slick is the first to stop, and hiccups as if he's about to puke his guts up. The Krog boo him, and spurred by the provocation, he frantically puts his mouth back on the tube. Then, it's Shackney's turn to stop. Soon, we are coughing in unison, suffocating, spitting, our eyes burning. Slick seems to be the weakest in the trial. The crowd has noticed this and is giving him no quarter. The eel keeps his mouth glued to his pipe, but his lungs are too weak to make the glass grow. He's bright and red, his bloodshot eyes full of tears. He pauses to vomit and then starts again. Thunderous taunts and praise ensue for Rexus, who has already won over the crowd and is exhaling about as much air as me and Shackney combined. Amanaka finally pushes the eel aside and takes control of both tubes. He exhales large breaths to balance the sphere until the shape has been straightened. The ball has tripled in size, but the glass is still strong. The taste is bitter, like venom. It's impossible not to inhale the acidic fumes, and then it's I who takes a break. I feel dizzy and start seeing stars. Blow! Don't give up! We get back to it. The tube burns our lips. We drool and swallow ashes. Even Rexus starts to wince. To balance the growth of the sphere, we all face the prince, who is unstoppable. He continues to make the planet grow, although it's distorted. Slick has returned to his tube, but this time our four breaths fail to restore the balance. The planet is oval, an excrescence that now threatens to explode at any moment. We are way above the planets from the other trials. We can stop now, Amon! We passed the trial! No need to take so many risks! Shut up and blow! I should have known better. The prince won't lose face in front of his father. He was only able to match him in the giant's trial, but this time he wants to surpass him. The sphere dominates us from above. It's so big that the shamans can't send enough heat to the entire globe. It's starting to get cold in some places, so it will need to be rotated to even it out. Amon! If we keep going, we'll end up giving birth to a starfish. 
Rexus has just released his tube. He's understood the situation. He stands in front of the sphere and does what I had most feared. I'm gonna move it! Get ready! This is the first time he's spoken since the start of the trial. Stop it, you idiot! You'll lose your fingers! In one fell swoop, he places his hands on the stone base, supporting the sphere to rotate it. The sound and smell of roasting flesh is so strong that it makes me gag. Caught off guard, I stick a needle in his back to contain the pain, aware that it won't have much effect against the cauterized nerve. His hands are literally cooking as he increases the pressure, but it eventually creaks and moves. The sphere rotates. Rex's screams, torn by effort and pain. The planet has shifted a quarter turn. He falls to his knees and plunges his hands into the wet mud of the Great Hall. Everybody blow! Bellows the prince. So I blow hard enough to dislocate my jaw. The pain in my jawbone radiates down my throat. The sphere swells a few inches. It won't go any further. The opposite side is already cold. The shamans have already released the bellows to pressure the integrity of the sphere. Our planet is huge. I think we've done it. But my joy fades when I see what's left of the Squilla's hand.